0: Now, we're going to read uh, together another short portion, just five verses and another portion of scripture. The Gospel of uh, Luke, Gospel according to St. Luke, uh, chapter 13. (coughs) There were present at that season some that told them of the Galileans, told Jesus of the Galileans. Uh, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things. I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise eh, perish. Especially these words, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise eh, perish. Now, I'm sure all of us, eh, friends, without exception, we've all been appalled eh, over the, eh, what we've been an eyewitness to in Eastern Europe. Uh, over the last few weeks and uh, uh, months. These uh, stories that we've been reading, these uh, 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 images, these uh, pictures that have been coming out of uh, uh, the Ukraine following that uh, senseless conflict uh, that began a few uh, months uh, ago. Uh, And we understand that already uh, thousands of of, uh, people Uh, have needlessly uh, died because of uh, that uh, conflict. And some of these uh, uh, stories have been absolutely chilling. Uh, uh, With people going about their normal day-to-day lives, just like you and I, uh, uh, here this evening, every day. And then all of a sudden, houses are blown up, and factories are blown up, and people go into the shop, and they've been uh, uh, killed. Uh, in cold uh, blood. Why, 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 why do all these things uh, happen? Why do earthquakes happen with such loss of life? Tsunamis. Why did the uh, Twin Towers collapse, come collapsing to the ground in 9-11 and brought the world to a, a standstill? Why has President Assad, through a civil war, brought his country, Syria, to wreck and ruin. You know, friends, it's if it's, you know, it's true when great disasters and catastrophes and tragedies happen. People's minds work overtime, and maybe rightly so. People are wanting. Answers to these uh, questions that we have uh, uh, posed uh, there. People are wanting answers. And isn't it amazing when they don't have answers, when people don't have answers, they'll go and find one. We see it right here in the, the, the second portion that, that we read. People in Jesus' day were ready to give their own answers to two great disasters uh, that had Taken place now. I want to consider with you a few brief thoughts this evening from the verses that we've read uh, uh, here in uh, uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter thirteen, and the first five verses under three simple headings. The first heading is a uh, two great disaster, two great disaster. And in verse one, we read of the brutal murder of Galileans who were killed. By Pilate and his soldiers, notice, whose blood they had mingled with their sacrifices. Now, we pause here. These Galileans weren't pagans. They were actually worshippers. They're doing what the the Jewish law in the Old Testament says. They're worshipping God. They're confessing their sins, bringing their offerings. And they had come eh, during the Passover to Jerusalem, to the temple, with their sacrifices. And we read that they were slaughtered. In fact, they were horrifically eh, slaughtered to death by Pilate's eh, eh, soldiers. It, it was a cruel death. It was an absolutely horrific death. Notice they took their blood and mingled it, mixed it with the blood of the animals, the sheep, the pigeons, uh, and uh, the doves. What a cruel death. And people were taken up with, why? Why did this happen? Why did it happen? And there was a prevailing mindset amongst the people that if something like this happened, it must have been because there were a... Guilty of some extraordinary sin in their own hearts, that they must have been guilty, unknown to anyone of of something scandalous, and that that 's why eh, this happened to them now notice here that 's not actually recorded, but Jesus knew that that 's what they were thinking. Jesus knew he knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. notice Jesus said, is that really? Jesus said, what you're thinking in verse two, you suppose and you think that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things. Well, I tell you, no, nay, they weren't. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. You know, if the equivalent of this incident was going to happen in, in, in uh, 2022. And Jesus was still on earth. They would be asking, they would be posing to Jesus the same question. They would be presenting him with the very same uh, uh, question. The mind of the heart of man doesn't uh, uh, change. These atrocities in the Middle East, Islamic fanatics, they've been brutally killed, ruthlessly killed in in cold blood. What would Jesus say? he would say exactly what he said here. Do you honestly think that these things happening in the Ukraine are happening to these people because they're greater sinners than you and me? The, the, the floods in Australia, the, the, the humanitarian crisis in different parts of the world, do you honestly think that it's happening to these people because they're worse sinners than you and me? You know, Jesus would say this, no, nay, but he says, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now notice here, there's, there's another a second disaster here. Sometimes we hear of uh, tenement blocks uh, uh, collapsing to the ground in different cities across the world. Some things like that happened here as well. We see a tall tenement building crashing to the ground. And we read there in verse 4 of a tower that collapsed in Siloam with the loss of 18 people. And Jesus asks them the same question. What were they thinking when this happened? Do you think, he asks them in verse 4, that these 18 people were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? Well, I tell you, no, they weren't. But except you repent, you shall all Likewise, it's interesting. Our Lord here, Jesus, wasn't taken up with, with what had happened or the, the number of people who had been killed in both these disasters. He's emphasizing, friends, the importance of repentance. Twice emphatically, he says, except ye repent you shall all likewise uh, perish. You know, isn't it amazing how people are always ready to speak about the death of others and not that old? You know, the death of these two tragedies, this tragedy in in Jerusalem and in Judea, people were taken up with what had happened. It was the main topic of conversation for weeks, and it was the same one. This uh, accident, this tragedy happened in uh, Siloam when the the tower uh, collapsed. People were taken up with those who had died. No word of their own death. It's the same day, whether it's a tsunami, an earthquake, a car accident, a sudden heart attack, somebody dies suddenly in the community. It's the main topic of conversation. And yet, I say this with all due respect, you speak to some of these people about their own death. They They don't want to have anything to do with it. It's too personal, it's, it's too morbid, it, it's too final. Speak to me about the death of others, but I don't want to be confronted about my own death. You know, I meet people in my work and they're telling me, I don't do funerals. I don't do death. I don't do death, I don't do funerals. You know, friends, funerals will do us. And death will do us at the end of the day as well, without exception. I came across recently an elderly man in New York who had reached 100 years. And obviously family and friends, it was a milestone in his life, and family and friends gathered together. To ask him, you know, what he wanted to celebrate this milestone. He says, oh, he says, I'm happy for songs to be sung, music to be played, and speeches to be said. But there's one thing, he says, I don't want made reference to. I don't want the word death or dying. Three score and ten years do some up. Days and years we see. And if by reason, of course, strength. for some Four score, they'd be. The Lord had given him not only his allotted lifespan of 70 years, but 30 additional years, and he didn't want to hear of death or of dying. How far his mind was away, how far his heart was away from the words of, of uh, uh, Moses in Psalm 90, when he says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Notice here, friends, how Jesus confronts these people about their own death and about their own personal, individual sins. He says, never mind about others. Never mind about others, he tells them. What about you? Notice what Jesus is doing. He's, He's making them Look within their own hearts. He says, never mind others, what about you? What about your own standing in the light of eternity? Where do you stand if death were to suddenly engulf you? Are you preparing for eternity? Are you saved? Are you at peace with God? Do you have your sins forgiven? Are you cleansed in the blood that was shed at Calvary? are you able at the end of the day to say it is well it is well with my soul you know friends nothing in this world is as urgent or as important as repentance towards God repentance towards God one Puritan writer he says if we lose our time to repent he says we shall repent forever that we once lost our time. Some of you may have heard uh, about Charles de Talleyrand. Charles de Talleyrand was a, was a, a, a famous French politician, a diplomat. And he was a, he didn't believe in God. He was a skeptic and an agnostic. And he was on his deathbed. And on a deathbed, we try and relieve people of whatever distress and discomfort that, that they're going through and, you know, help them as best as we can. And he had a maid eh, around him and the maid asked him as to how he was faring. You know, friends, his words were solemn. He says, I am suffering. This man wasn't even in eternity. He says, I am suffering the pangs of the damned. Two great disasters. Two great decisions. You know, friends, none of us can shy away from what our Lord is bringing before us here. None of us can shy eh, away. Notice what he says, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now I want to bring you, there's no third alternative. There's not a third option. It's not Repent and perish and purgatory. There's no word here of a Roman Catholic priest. Going to give last uh, rites at the 11th hour. It's not repent or perish or reincarnation and try again. It's not repent or perish or physical rebirth. I meet many people and they tell me, when I'm gone, I'm going to be compost for the worms and for all the insects. And I'm going to come back as a shrub and as a flower and as a tree. Absolute nonsense. I wonder, friends, why Jesus is so personal and so pointed and so direct with us as individuals when he speaks to us. About these things, except put personal, except you, can't get any more personal than that, except you, you shall all, you know, surely it's because we're all sinners, we're all sinners, all have sinned, and we have come short of the glory of God, none can claim exemption, none can claim exemption, for there is none good, no, not one. You know, friends, it wasn't to call the righteous. It wasn't to call good people that the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world. Because there was no, not one single good person or one righteous person to be found in the world. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to call sinners to repentance. You know, when, when the apostle Paul was preaching to that large congregation on Marsh Hill in Athens. What was the foundation, a stone of the message that he preached the people there? What was it? Repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he went on, God commanded all men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. You, many people seem to think it's an option you know friends it's not an option it's a command it's a command know the board commanded all men in New Valley in New Market in Plasterfield in Newton in Stoneaway. it's that personal to repent and believe the gospel when are we to repent and believe the gospel When? it's interesting what one writer he says my friend he says you cannot repent too soon because you don't know how soon it may be too late what does the scripture says here, here, the devil the devil has a calendar as well you know the devil the devil's calendar is always tomorrow Always to put it off, leave it another day, but God's calendar is different. Today, if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. No, he says, it's the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. You know, friends, salvation in Christ doesn't leave you and I without hope. Salvation in Christ, that's what brings hope and lasting joy and true peace. Forgiveness of sins. That's the remedy to it all. The gospel. What is the gospel? Good news. The sum and substance of that good news is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Notice it's not. You might be saved, or you could be saved, or subject to A, B, and ye shall be saved. But what if you're not ready? I know, but so many people do. I don't have time. This is what. What if death were to come to your door like that, knocking? Says none of us can turn round, I, say, I, I, I often say, and say to death, well, I'm not quite ready. Maybe if you could come back at the end of 2022, or better still, 2023, I'll have made my peace with God and all will be well with my soul. We, every day, all of us, we've got appointments with various people in life. And sometimes, you and I know that sometimes... Things come up, and we have to go to our diaries and we have to reschedule our diaries and make an appointment for another occasion, whether it's with the driving instructor, the lawyer, the bank manager, whoever that person may be. You know, but friends, we can't, we cannot play around with death because it's serious. It's very, very serious. You know, I want maybe for a few moments to consider with you what these two words mean, repent and perish. Firstly, repent. There are many people who've plunged the depth and uh, who've blundered in life and they turn a new page. And uh, they're sorry, they're, they're full of remorse, and they're very sorry, and a new chapter is written in the book of their lives. And we're thankful that these things do happen, whether it's in the experience of the alcoholic or the drug addict or, or whoever. You know, but to be full of remorse and to be full of sorrow, that's not repentance. That's not repentance. Repentance is to turn our backs. Like the woman at the well of Samaria. Remember how she turned her back. She had a reputation. She made a name herself for the wrong reasons. And she turned her back on sin. Everything that had the stamp and the stain of sin upon it. She turned her back on it and went the opposite direction. That's, my friends, what it means. Uh, what repent means. To be a Christian, to be converted, we must repent and believe the gospel that your sins may be blotted out. How far do we carry our repentance? One writer he says, "I hope to carry my repentance to the very gate of heaven." And he went on to say, "Some people do not like to hear much about repentance, but I think it is so necessary that if I should die in the pulpit, I should desire to die preaching it." And if I should, and if I should die out of the pulpit, I should desire to die practicing it. What does the word "perish" mean? Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You all know, you all know that sometimes the word is, is uh, used in the sense of "to die. A boat goes aground, and you often hear that so and so many people perished in that tragedy. Well that, that wouldn't make sense here. That would then be implying if we did repent, then we wouldn't eh, we wouldn't die because we're all going to die. It is appointed unto all men once to die and after death. The judgment. So what does it mean, perish? I only gleaned this <clears throat> a few days ago. One of the Bible writers puts it very graphically. He says, to perish is to be banished from God forever and to be shut up with devils and damned spirits. It is to be excluded from heaven and to be confined in hell. It is to be driven from the rivers of pleasure, uh, which are at God's right hand, and to be doomed to the lake of fire, to dwell in everlasting burnings. It is to thrust, it is to be thrust into blackness, darkness, and eternal woe. You know, friends, I don't find it very easy to be explaining these things. I I think it was John, John Bunyan who was once asked, who's your best friend in life, John? He says, my best friend is the person who's honest with me and who tells me the truth. And if I'm not mistaken, he's your friend as well, and my friend, the person who's honest with you and who tells you the truth. The Bible tells us the truth. It's an honest book, and there is no other book in the world as honest as God's word. We so often speak about tragedies. A big quote referred to a number of tragedies that have taken place in world history. The Black Death, claimed between 60 to 75 million people. The Titanic, 1,500 people were lost in the, uh, in the North Atlantic in 1912. We're told 40 million people died in World War I, 72 million in World War II. The Holocaust, 6 million Jews perished in uh, in Hitler's ovens and the uh, concentration camps. The atomic bomb on Hiroshima, 200,000. The tsunami disaster in the Indian Ocean way back in 2004, 300,000. The list goes on and on. You know, friends, if we were to accumulate and bring all these Tragedies together, it doesn't come anywhere near the greatest tragedy of all. And that's the loss of your precious, never dying soul. I can't think of any greater loss. It's unthinkable, just as it's an unimaginable, friends, eh, tragedy. Two great disasters... Two great decisions, finally, two great destinies. I wonder if uh, if it sounds strange to you here tonight to hear that Jesus spoke on hell more than he did on heaven. A lot of people refute that that's reality. Jesus spoke on hell more than he did about heaven. Why should that be surely, surely, surely it's because He's deeply concerned about your eternal destiny and your soul salvation. We we read there in the other chapter earlier that he would have all men come to a knowledge of the truth. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repent. You know, I've lost count. I lose count often of the number of the way people speak flippantly uh, about the things of God and especially uh, hell. They use hell and Jesus, God, Christ as a crutch when things go wrong. This one stands out. A young man saying, I would rather be with my own friends partying in hell than be with church people singing in heaven. I told them what I want to share with you, with all the love that I can muster. I told them that hell was the loneliest place in God's universe. There's this uh, idea that they'll see one another. Nobody will see one another in hell. Why? Because it's a place of outer darkness. It's a place of outer darkness. In fact, Peter describes the fate of the wicked by saying, that this mist of darkness is reserved forever. Nobody's going to hear people physically there either. Why? Because it's a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. I'll be at rest there. I'll be at peace there. No, no, nobody's going to be at peace or at rest there because it's a place of unutterable despair. Listen to the rich man who died, for I am, he says, tormented in this flame. We all know how in Psalm 73, that's reinforced by the writer there. He says, they are utterly consumed with terror. You know, it's no wonder that CH Spurgeon says, he who does not prepare for death, is more than an ordinary fool. He says he's a madman. He's a madman. We, we often refer to 9-11. I might have told this story here before, 9-11. Everybody knows about 9-11. Another incident happened the day before, very few people know about on an American Airlines jet traveling from New York to Pennsylvania. There was a Christian man on board that flight. And he saw one of the air stewardesses uh, serving drinks, giving out sandwiches. And as she was serving the drinks, she had lost her utensil for crushing the ice. So she started crushing the ice with a wine bottle. And he was concerned that she would hurt herself. And he expressed... Uh, so concerned with her, she was deeply touched. And when she was finished, what she was doing, she sat beside him for a few moments. And when she got up to leave, uh, this Christian gentleman he gave her a gospel tract, and uh, she responded, "Oh, she says that's very strange. This is the fifth gospel tract I've received from passengers over the last few days. They're more religious than they are, sadly, than they are sadly in this country." Uh, what does God want of me? And he said to her, God, God wants your life. And uh, he, he quoted uh, two verses I quoted to you, to, to you earlier. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. And he used uh, the, the, uh, a Walmart illustration. But if you go to Tesco or to Morrison's here, if you go to certain uh, uh, food aisles, You'll see certain foods with a sell-by date, eat by date. And he said to her, the gospel has a closing date. And he says, make sure that before the midnight hours, strikes tonight, that you're at peace with God. 24 hours later, that air desk was on one of the first flights that crashed into the World Trade Center. We don't know whether she gave her life to God. That belongs to God alone. But it is a reminder to us, friends, that the gospel has a a closing uh, date. You know, maybe you're here this evening. I hope nobody, uh, when the lights have been switched off and the doors are closed and we leave, that you think I'm an Armenian preacher. I'm not an Armenian preacher. Those who, who... those of you who know me well. But maybe you're here this evening and you're of the persuasion that it's not the criteria of the free church or the free church continuing for anyone to come to Christ immediately. You follow the Lord at the prayer meeting, you follow him for a number of weeks and months, you become a better Christian, you go to fellowship meetings, and then one day in the future you'll appear before the elder and the deacons and you make a public profession of your faith. You know, friends, if that's your mindset, I can't find it in scripture. I can't find it reverently in scripture at all. What evidence do I have for that? There's a number of places that I could go to, but when the apostle Paul was preaching on Marsh Hill, that we made reference to early, uh, in Athens, what we read, we read that certain men claimed to him and believed instantly and believed. And it was the same in Nineveh. Remember when Jonah went with his God given message of judgment. He had 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The people of Nineveh didn't have 41 days or 42 days, they had 40 days. And we read that from the king on the throne to the meanest citizen, they repented in sackcloth and in ashes. I want to leave you, friends, this evening with the the words of a spiritual poem. It's written by an anonymous writer, and it's called The Fatal Crossing. He says, there is a time we know not when, a place we know not where, that seals the destiny of men for glory or despair. There is a line by us unseen that crosses every path, the hidden boundary between God's mercy and his wrath. Oh, where is this mysterious born by which our path is crossed, beyond which God himself has sworn that he who goes is lost? How far may we go on in sin? How long will God forbear? Where does hope end, and where begins the confines of despair? An answer from the skies is sent, ye ye that from God depart, while it is called today, repent. And harden not your heart. You know, friends, nobody who has ever knocked at the door of mercy has ever been turned away. And that door of mercy is open for us all. And the invitation has come. now, And the door shall be eh, opened unto you. I just want to leave you with this one last word from Mary McShane. And I hope it lingers with us all until we're brought to cry out with the publican, "Eh, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. He says, if you die wrong the first time, you cannot come back to die better a second time. May the Lord bless his word to us. Let us pray. We pray, Lord, that thy word would be blessed to our uh, hearts uh, together, one with another, from the youngest to the oldest, and all uh, who are listening in through the various social media platforms, locally and nationally and maybe internationally as well. We pray, Lord, that those make us that we are true Christians, born again of the Spirit of God, having grace in our heart, and that our first love in this world would be for the one uh, whose love is uh, greater than, uh, deeper than our love. We pray that thou wilt help us to love thee as we ought, with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, uh, and our neighbor as ourselves. We thank thee for the door of mercy. We thank thee that thou art long suffering and slow to wrath, uh, in a mercy, Prethea. We pray thy blessing upon our congregation, the congregation here. Uh, upon all our friends, remember them in their respective callings all week, on land and on sea, uh, in the home and in the office. And we pray thy blessing upon the young people. Uh, protect them during these days of holiday. Keep them from harm and danger, uh, their parents as well as they travel near and far. Continue with us then, Lord, as we commit our ways to thee. May we in all our ways acknowledge thee and that God will direct our path. All we ask for is in his precious name and for his sake. Amen.